Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, beautiful babes. Thank you for coming to the Cobpass recording. It's our last one. Oh. No, I'd give that a cheer, personally. I'm looking forward to relaxing. I'll be doing the yoga. I can now do every letter in the alphabet. I'm like that woman from the Exorcist film. I can bend over backwards. I can do a U-shape. I can flick off the wall. That sounds ominous. All right, then. Should we get out our beautiful guests? Welcome to the stage, the gorgeous David O'Doherty. All right, beautiful babe. How are you? Oh, you know, had a breakup in the last hour, but apart from that... Good, let's get out in the open straight away. And also the wonderful Jordan Gray. Right, hello. hello, babe. How's things? I'm all right. I broke up with David in the last hour. <laughs> and this, is, this is well awkward. This is properly awkward. This is going to be a sticky <laughs> yeah. podcast. We're going to work this no. out. Do you want to talk about it? Should we get it out in the open, David? Um, it hadn't been going for... Uh, it would be going for the summer, uh, but we really liked each other. But she came to the fringe, and, yeah, it just it's just two degrees off, these things, aren't they, really? Yeah. And when you're 46, you know... I want to have a kid and stuff, so we couldn't just keep going forever. No. So we made the decision on the way to your podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> well, to be honest, the Fringe will put anyone off. Yeah, it's a good test. <laughs> it's, it's a, a good, good test. It's like, you know, Ikea invent a machine that just punches a chair 6,000 times to yeah. see if it's a good chair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The Fringe is the relationship version of the Ikea punch it is. machine. Oh, what a lovely way to start the podcast. <laughs> Where do you go from there? Well, I, in, to be honest, the only way is up. Our mission for this podcast is to make David feel like he's made the right decision. Well, you know, you feel like you have anyway, haven't you? I really, I, I, so far I do, yeah. Yeah. I think the thing is with love, you know when it's not right, and you've got to give it up, and there's a little bit of hope there always, but you just got to face up to the reality. That's quite bleak. It's brave. Those you lyrics would never be in a song. Though. No. Well, you never know. Wait till the end of the song. <laughs> By the end of the show, we'll have a breakup song that will truly put you off love forever. No worries. All comes free in the cob past. So, Jordan, is it all going well, though, your, your beautiful show? I'm living the dream. It's like a waking dream. I had a, not a very good 2018 show. No one came to see me, which is normal. It's, it's sad, but normal. I've, we've, uh, I think we've sold out now, and there's talk. I can't say for sure, but there is talk of us doing a couple more shows in a venue that's five times the size of the one I'm in now. I'm having an absolute dream. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, well, that's so good to hear. But thank what, you for what, that applause for a vague piece of information that might be a lie. <laughs> but thank you. What, that's really what sweet. Do you, what do you think's changed, though, from, from Just, I'm, I'm a little bit more mature. 
And uh, also, uh, I've got a team behind me. I came on my own before, and there's a lot to be said for a wonderful team of people. We're just talking backstage. My show is being run by a bunch of Goulier-trained clowns, oh which means... Oh, uh, Nightmare. It's, it's a, a beautiful nightmare, <laughs> is what it is, because they're, they're funny, uh, and they've, uh, you know, they've, they've been working together for a long time. So I've entered a, a machine that yeah. really understands comedy. It's really cool. I'm, I'm loving they it. They arrive in a fire engine... And one of them gets out, and then another. And it's just hundreds of them. Keep That's how I film my show every night. I just pull up a clown car in front, and they all get out one by one. That's it. So, was it that you did you approach the show differently this time? Did you put? Was it like you? Is the show about a landmark or something that's you know different or changed? The show is about sort of about superheroes a little bit. I'm transgender. The show is called Is It a Bird? So it's like, is it a bird? Is it a plane? But also, is it a bird? I don't know. <laughs> That's the theme of the show. So it's loosely based around Batman and me and how our stories intertwine occasionally. <laughs> I, as I'm saying it, I wouldn't buy a ticket to it, personally. But, I, but it's working out. It's I think you're selling it beautifully. Yeah. And you, your first show was 2000, wasn't it, David? That's, yes. That's 22 years. Oh, my goodness. How's it, how's it changed? Is it... Diane, I remember about nine... I'd say about this point in the run in 2000, there were five people in one night who'd all won tickets on a Radio 4th FM giveaway, and they all walked out together. <laughs> and, oh, my God. And I remember it because the last one, just before he shut the door, went, you're shy, like that, and leaving me alone in the room at the mic. And I was so, because I was 23, and it was just like, do I just keep talking? Like, what's the rule? And the tech came down, and he gave me a hug. Oh. And he said, big man, let's go for a pint. And me, because we had 35 minutes to kill, me and the tech went for two pints. And uh, you, came, you came back and you sold out. The, <laughs> they, they'd all come back from the toilet together yeah. and they were giving a study of age. No, the, the, yeah, but they're the lesson. I don't see how you can't, you need those sort of nights to, well, it's more to find out do you really want to do this? Because yeah. this is, but then the beauty of the fringe is the next night. You go back, and it went okay, you yeah. know. So it's there is that thing of back on the horse with the fringe. I don't think there's any other career that's as horrible as this, is there? Really, if that's what you've got to do yeah. to see if you're still in the game. There's few careers we have to keep proving you can do it over and over and over again, like yeah. a, a plumber. I suppose there's a certain expected level of expertise, but they don't have to keep coming over and showing you that they can do it. They just yeah. do it once. You're like, that person's a plumber. If a comedian does a shit gig, you go, are they really a comedian, though? That wasn't that funny. <laughs> yeah, but I would say this, and this is the great never-spoken-of truth of comedy, which is it gets easier. Because at the start, you're shite, and the audience has their arms folded, and they're like, this will probably be shite. And then you get better... And the audience are like, oh, we like this person. Like, can't wait to see this. Right. And then if you keep doing it for 22 years, like me, like a maniac, <laughs> uh, then you build up a crowd such that yeah. they cheer when you stick your head out from the wings at the stars. That's you know, gorgeous. It's very nice, and yeah. I will need it tonight yeah. when I do my show as I try not to weep during several of the songs. Oh, David, you won't weep, though, because I reckon it's going to work out for the best. Do you reckon I should mention it at the start of the... No, not at the start of the gig. That'll be a real... People will think it's a bit then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't lead with it. Yeah. You sound like patter. You sound yeah, like banter. She, she comes out at the end and we kiss <laughs> then. Maybe you could just show the text messages on there. 
on a screen. Oh god, with what song play with uh, I'm not in love. Yeah, that's like the kind that. of thing Kim Noble. Do you know Kim Noble that that's yeah. the kind of thing he'd do, I imagine. Yeah, I'm not I'm not Kim Noble. And then throw a squirrel in a Johnny or something. No. That's his vibe. Kim Noble. Anyone know Kim Noble in the audience? No. So that must sound weird to you. Trust me. Look him up on the internet. You'll have the time of your life. <laughs> or you'll be just as depressed as David by the end of it. No, but he's very good. He's got a new show coming to soon, and it's going to be beautiful. Do you like? Do you like him? Do you know him? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I really, I really like his stuff. I, I like anything that, um, especially in comedy, that's poking at the edges through sheer devilment or weirdness or sincerity. Like this guy called Paul Williams, who's one of the snort New Zealand kids, who's oh, yeah. just got a show about. He loves his partner so much he's willing to convert to Judaism to be with her. And at, it's like no one's told him this. Is, maybe don't talk about this in a comedy show. And that's why it's so good because it's clanging up against... Is his partner Jewish? Because that's <laughs> yeah. real commitment. That's a really romantic gesture. That's the twist. But yeah, he's willing, he's willing to do that just because she thought it would be a laugh or something. Unless he's misheard it. I... My, I had a boyfriend once, and he said, oh, you know that Beatles song? Um, I said, hey, Jude. He said, no. Hey, Jude. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not what the lyrics are, babe. It's hey, Jude. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that sounded, <laughs> that sounded anti-Semitic, but it's true. <laughs> it's just the facts. Well, it's a very different song if they were the lyrics, then. Exactly. Yeah. Well, he was sick. <laughs> Let's right. put it that way. He was a, he was a, a hot carrier from Billericay. Yeah, not that that makes him thick. Not that you have to be thick to do that as a profession, but you build up such strong muscles in your neck that he just slowly (laughs) squeezes your brain, and then the capacity. Yeah, and then bits of brain fall out as you go. Love to all the hog carriers out there. Don't look. (laughs) Don't find me out. I'm sorry. So who was so for you, Jordan? Because you was really you came. You got quite famous from The Voice, didn't you? That TV show. Yeah, I'd done The Voice in 2016 uh, after 10 years in the music industry. It's really nice. You hear horror stories about reality TV, but I had a right laugh. It was good. Yeah, well, we had Diana Vickers on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And she seemed quite positive about it, but I think her age made her a bit more, you know, difficult for her. So what made you go and do something like go into comedy? What's wrong with you? (laughs) I brought out a single after The Voice. It's like, oh, quick, get a single out. But you're not allowed to release a single six months after you've been on the reality TV show so that you don't compete with the winner of the show. It's in your contract. So you had to wait six months, and then obviously nobody could remember who I was by then, which is fine. And the single that came out was shit as well. (laughs) I spent so much money on it, and we had about 12 producers making it, and it just was like... (laughs) I was like, I wouldn't even listen to this. It's so garbage. Was it on a label? Yeah, yeah. It got to, this is my favourite thing about it, it got to number 114 in the charts. David Brent's fictional shit album got to 113 in the charts. It didn't get as far as Ricky Gervais's fake character's shit single. Um, I uh, made a documentary about 12 years ago in Ireland where I tried to get a song to number 27 in the Irish charts. This was when it was physical copies. Why 27? We just thought it was a funny number. It's a funny number. (laughs) 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 And so we did it by buying. You you need to find out what stores were chart tracking in a given week, and then you can't buy more than one within thirty minutes. So we had this loop where you could walk from this shop to this shop, which was like thirty-five minutes away, and then back to this, and then just keep doing it like that. And then, because we only had a couple hundred copies of it, we would then give it 
back to other shops. That, oh, it was a very... What did it, where did it go? Got to number 30. Did yeah. it? Oh, what a shame. Blew it. Yeah, you needed yeah. more foot soldiers. Yeah, we did it in February. So February was the... In Ireland, I, I don't know what the Irish music sales are, aren't very big, but in February, no one buys... Uh, singles so it's when like Iron Maiden used to have a number one every February in Ireland so we figured this because you only need to sell like 1200 copies or something so yeah we sold 1100 because musical I mean there's music in your show isn't there George yes for musical comedy songs so because it's quite weird being a musical comedian isn't it what did you ever try and like do proper music like yeah my uh, dad is a Irish jazz musician. Oh, is he? So he spent his whole life writing these weird tunes and going to New York and L.A. and working with all these famous people that no one has ever heard of. But in Ireland, he wrote the song you have to learn in school about how to cross the road. So everyone knows him from the Safe Cross Code, which is different to your... There's more terms and conditions in the Irish version of how to cross the road. <laughs> uh, so he's kind of beloved for that. Or like, be like, what's your dad do? I'd be like, oh, he's, he's in a L.A. recording with uh, Spike Robinson and Zoot Sims. And be like, what else does he do? He wrote the Safe Cross Code. Legends! <laughs> <laughs> Must be a nice little bit of PRS off that, though. Do they still play it? No, it's a bu- it was a buyout. Jeez, how do I know this much? No, because it, it was for the Irish government. <laughs> oh, they I just see. I think they paid him like 300 quid in 1972 to oh, write it, yeah. which was a lot of money back then. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, consequently, because otherwise every time you sang it in school, my dad would be making 2p or yeah. whatever. So well, that adds up. To be it, fair, it definitely look did. at Noddy Holder. He, I mean, he owns half of uh, Iran, apparently. Noddy Holder. <laughs> <laughs> I made that up. That's not true. Again, not to mention all the lives he saved. You think about that in oh, monetary yeah. value. I didn't even think about made that. Made a lot of money. Yeah, the, the um, because I remember the UK one used to be stop, look, and listen. That was basically how to cross the road. Yeah. But our one had seven points on it. So I've always felt that Irish people, when they moved to London, would just be standing on the path, wait, going through the checklist, while all the English people would just be going, stop looking, listening, and going straight across the road. Then. Yeah, our rule is, is there a hedgehog waiting? That's our song. <laughs> like, there's no hedgehog, go, it's fine. <laughs> so was there like, com- like musical comedians that you looked up to growing Gosh, up? Well, or yeah, was there anyone that inspired right you? But uh, Tim Minchin, I'm a big fan of the old Tim Minchin because uh, it's very. Wor- he sort of landed in this country like an alien, didn't he? Yeah. Tim? Like it was a the, there was this like, period of rock star musical comedy, rock star comedians, comedians. I thought they were rock stars. Uh, the the Tim Minchin, Russell Brand, sort of Noel Fielding era. I like that whole era. I like the slick leather, big head musical elements of comedy. Yeah. For me, it was um, yeah. Growing up, so there was Randy Newman who, yeah. like, you know, we're best known for doing the music for Toy Story and stuff like that. His albums are incredibly weird and subversive, his own albums that he would release. And, uh, yeah, so my... There's a big crossover between jazz, people like jazz musicians, and weird comedy then. Yeah, like so Captain Beefheart has a bit, got a bit yeah, of in there, isn't he? Lo- loads of that. I met him once in a cupboard. Say no more. <laughs> <laughs> he carried that fish around with him everywhere. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That sounds again a bit spooky. <laughs> it was. <laughs> so, so yeah, we were always uh, listening to, you know, there's a lot of funny lyrics in, even in those old jazz tunes, there's a lot of great, yeah, funny stuff. So, yeah, when I was, I wanted to be a jazz musician, and then basically my dad gave me the, you can't polish a turd speech when I was about 18, as in no matter how hard you try at this, at best you will be fine. <laughs> 
so I was like, what so else? So did you have a band or anything? Which you were like a yeah, I would I would have played on a lot of records of my just my friends. Uh, pop and rock sure. records and stuff like that. I was able to do that, but the thing that I wanted to do was that real, you know, three people just in, in a club making stuff up, and I was just, a, I was fine at it, but I wasn't bringing anything new to the party. And so it wasn't a million miles then to, you know, to write your own songs and try and do comedy. And then, like, I kind of try, I try and approach comedy with a similar thing where you go out and try and dick about with it every mm. night as opposed to just do the same show again. But it does get a bit annoying, isn't it, that you don't get taken as seriously musically? Because, you know, our, you know, our tunes, Milky, they're pretty good up there. But because it's very hard to, I guess, put you in a category, because you either have to... Because not all our songs are funny, because obviously mine are from a gorgeous back catalogue that stem back years. <laughs> but they're not all funny, and some of them are quite serious and sad. But when you do musical comedy, I think you get tarred with a bit of a brush that can be a bit frustrating sometimes. It can sometimes be the worst of the best of both. Sometimes it can be the worst of both because you also treat it as a comedian. That I find you can just get a laugh from making stuff rhyme, which comedians would sometimes throw you under the bus for because like, yeah. it doesn't count as comedy. But it's if it's entertaining people. I went through all my songs. Somebody told me that once, and I went through every single one of my songs to check if the joke was just the fact that the two words rhyme. <laughs> I got a song where I rhyme vampire with campfire, which I think is the best rhyme I could ever come <laughs> up with, ever. But, it is, but it's got nothing to do with the content of the song. So, uh, yeah. The fact that it got a laugh here means I'm going to keep it in. That's fine. Quite right, definitely. Yeah. But Maybe we get. should do like a, a comedian supergroup, like the Travelling Wilburys. Yeah. But stand-up comedy. Well, not stand-up, musical comedy. I don't know who else we'd have in it. Well, m- well, I was very lucky because my second Edinburgh was 2002, and I was doing a show in The Caves, which was then part of The Gilded Balloon, and the show after me was Flight of the Concords. Oh, wow. And then there the you go. That's a good example. And yeah. then the show after that was Humor Beasts, which was Jermaine from Flight of the Concords and Taika Waititi, who now makes Thor and Hulk Crazy, the Wilder people and all that stuff. So we, we became a... Uh, so I play piano with Flight of the Concords now oh, sometimes nice, and nice. Uh, still in touch with, with that crew then. So, yeah, there was always, like, musical comedy, I definitely... Like, there used to be a line in America, which is, uh, if, you, if you have a car, you can host. If you have a guitar, you can close. Because <laughs> when you furiously strum a guitar at the end of a song, everyone claps. Yeah. And everyone thinks, oh, that was comedy, great. So it, it always had a bad reputation for those, you know, those proper comedy... Uh, parody songs that yeah. there used to be much more of. So do you, every time you do a show, so your new show, what's, the, what's it called? It's called Whoa Is Me. Whoa Is Me. <laughs> and then do you write new songs every time you do a show? Yeah, I, I, I'm always writing songs. Uh, but then in the, I spent the first nine months of the pandemic living on a remote island with my 83-year-old parents. Oh God. And so me and Jazz Dad were hanging out a lot oh. and... We were making music and writing songs, so a lot of the stuff comes from that period. Then, That's yeah, gorgeous. yeah. So you don't? Does it have like a you know when you're writing a show? Does it have an arc? Like, is there an arc in there? What's your approach? Your creative approach? Yeah, having done Edinburgh over six thousand times now, I definitely used to try and do that Edinburgh thing of being, you know, ladies and gentlemen, maybe we we're not so so different after all. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> like I definitely went through a phase of doing that in my twenties, whereas now I just try and throw a bunch of stuff that's thematically similar. Yeah. Uh, but is hopefully funny and entertaining all the way through. And afterwards, you can have a little think and yeah. figure out if... You do see shows where you see someone, they just do loads of little bits, and at the end, they go, 
Don't forget. Uh, so, yeah, there's a Paddy McGuinness special uh, on YouTube uh, from a long time ago that ends with, he's just done some puns. I can't remember about what, but he goes, seriously, folks, knife crime is something <laughs> yeah, we exactly. all have That's to it. think about. <laughs> and it's just the end. <laughs> This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, it comes to the point in the show where various people from our social media write in and they ask me a question that they've got problem with. And we as a, well, as an audience as well, if anyone in the audience feels like they can help, we answer their questions. So this is number one. Dear Diane, I'm a new comedian and I'm wondering if I should come to the Fringe or not. <laughs> don't bleed and bother. No, I'm joking. Well, I don't know. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I feel you come out of this festival, particularly the first few times you do it, 20 times better than you went into it. Yes. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean immediately you're improved but you see uh, like it's about going out to see stuff and yeah. people just to be inspired and then like i definitely remember at the end of that first show in 2000 being like oh god i don't know if i'll do this like, oh maybe i will you know even though it had been tough yeah. there was still like going yeah. and meeting all those people and seeing weird comedy and weird theater it's like the addictiveness of like like a really hot gumbo like it hurts it hurts to eat it but then you do i've got fond memories of the w most painful gumbos i've ever eaten because they'll remember the experience being like a high what yeah. is a gumbo yeah. sorry you lost me i but i said it without knowing 100 percent what it is <laughs> the one i had had prawns in it it's oh, like, it's a like a filipino a dish yeah sort of yeah, filipino like risotto. Risotto vibe, yeah. yeah but uh yeah is it there's an addiction to it yeah and and it does make your hometown gigs a million times easier when you go home you you, you return a sort of returning Snooker, yeah. hero 20 times better like you say for sure. yeah yeah so it's funny if you had a difficult show in 2018 yeah. what made what so it was having a support network with you that made you come uh, back nobody came to see my show which I, I say is fine right but I ended up closing the late and live at the Gilded Balloon a bunch. And that's, uh, that's how I met all these goulier clowns that are now looking after me in my show. So it's, yeah, the, the friendship nature. I like intense, quick, big, crazy gigs rather than... So I'm not like a, a Mark Maron of a comedian. I'm not like a sit and work things out cleverly. I'm, I'm lazy and I, I'm spoiled. I like things to go really well, really fast. Yeah, join the club, though. Yeah. And I, I think there's also a thing down with the festival where, particularly when you're starting out, yeah, you meet your crew... And your crew might necessarily be the same as you, but it's there's something about having people of roughly the same age 
who are similarly a bit lost. Yeah. So that was we were so I was so lucky to meet Concords because no one was going to their show. Their show was had four people at it in two thousand and two, and Daniel Kitson and Josie Long and yeah, these amazing. people, and they're all roughly my age. And we were all we were all for the next few years just struggled on together to try. But and on a practical out. note, it's like maybe it's best that people just come up and do a short little stink because we only came up for a week the first time we ever did it, and that cost a lot of money. But I feel like the fallout wasn't as bad because we didn't have a w- but then you pay the same pretty much the same amount of money if you plan it in advance don't you it's a tricky one because most kids don't have the money to come up that's the thing if you're young and you're starting off in comedy I don't know what this little person's story is but oh. it's tricky isn't it yeah like full transparency um, I've been very fortunate that it looks like we're going to sell out the run I'm still going to lose about £600 oh yeah so 100% of the tickets yeah. it's not a money making venture no I mean I've got my own venue if we're doing transparency, you get your own venue built. You still, last year, I think, the last time we did it, we broke even, didn't we, Milky? But you still got to take a month off work. You know, nice, yeah. your co-op, my part-time job at the co-op, they've probably given that to someone else now. <laughs> <laughs> but no one can stack a shelf like Diane shortly, I'll tell you that for nothing. They'll come I, running back. I feel bad. I make five million pounds every year from, no, I'm joking, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> But you must be in a comfortable, bit more of a comfortable. Yeah, place. you definitely you get to play a bigger venue as you know, and then there's a the nice thing where people come up to you and they've seen ten of your shows, yeah. or they've like there's people where we've done the same photo outside the venue six times, oh, and good. I am slowly decaying in the photos as yeah. I look at them. I do love it though. But it's that Stuart Lee says it, doesn't he? It's like you've got to play to your audience if you can. That's the cleverest thing you could do as a comedian is take an email. Because the minute you take an email, you've got that contact, direct contact with that person. Don't let anyone else take it. Take it yourself. Get a little spreadsheet and fill it out every time you do a gig. Anytime you make a contact, fill that spreadsheet out. Because that is how you build a career, isn't it, really? Yeah, and, and because I think there is a bounce. I mean, you would have noticed this with the TV stuff. There's an immediate bounce, but they're not necessarily a loyal long-term That's audience. So true. Exactly. I've got uh, 60% of my audience is kids that followed me from The Voice that are now weirdly s- hanging on, and now I've decided I've got an entirely new career. So you've got non-active users on your social media. So it's about filling. You want, you want your usership to be 100% active. Yeah, and, right. And it's a bunch of kids that uh, they were excited at the time, and now they're like, what the hell is she up to? Yeah, but then they like that, don't they? They want to see you improve in your career, and they want to follow your life with you and say, I was there from day dot kind of well, ones, the ones that do, it's nice. But yeah, this, you're absolutely right. It's, yeah. uh, y- you get a big burst of excitement and then it's, it's digital. It's, it's all in the ether, you know. Yeah. They've not invested anything. They've clicked follow. I mean, there's a woman in Ilford. She had a picture of me <laughs> tattooed on her back. Wow. <laughs> that was in 1986. And I tell you what, I mean, the skin cancer didn't help her, to be honest. But you should see me on the back of that like a screen mask. <laughs> <laughs> Susan, if you're listening, I love you. Don't change, but, you know, wear a shirt. (laughs) Dear Diane, I want to get into comedy writing. Can you and your guests give me any advice? Comedy writing. Do you two write for TV much? Have you ever... Oh, you do it. You do it a lot, do you? Yeah, that's my main thing now. I wrote a lovely little sitcom for Comedy Central that got picked up. It's called Transaction. I'm in it. It's just me with a different name and a slightly different haircut. Oh, I'm not a trained actress whatsoever. And it, now it's being made by Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, and wow. they're in it, and they're making it. It's really cool. It's really cool. So screenwriting, my advice is don't wait for someone to make your thing. Make your thing first on an iPhone, five minutes long. At least give them a proof of concept rather than a script, because who wants to sit and read a script? 
we should, they should, it's their job, but who, they still don't want to do it. So make it. We made a short thing about me and a friend in the Museum of Comedy in London, sitting talking to each other. It's really funny. And then that's got me a whole commission and my life has changed because we took the time to do that. Oh, that's so good. That is amazing. Wow. Well, you got to, it's a bit about being proactive, isn't it? And getting that's things it. done. Proactive, yes. Yeah. Beautiful. What about you, David? David? Well, I, mean, I am you're always on TV. Uh, I do. I do that countdown show. Yeah. I don't do it very often, but it's repeated quite a lot. So it appears like I'm always on TV. I write children's books. Is the other thing that I've done oh. for longer than I've been doing stand up. Yeah. I, I had my first children's book when I was 20, and uh, I just I think I'm virtually unemployable at this point because from doing stand up, you're so your own boss. It's not that I struggle to collaborate, but. I just think my ideas are better than everyone else's. So <laughs> you can do stand-up, and then children's books are good because I just have an editor. And I'm like, what do you reckon about this? And she's like, the ending doesn't make sense. And I'm like, okay, there's a better ending. And they just get to go out. I made, I made a series, a TV series last year for Channel 4 where I went cycling with Richard oh, Iowati yeah, and people. Gorgeous. You know, so that, but that wasn't a writing. The, the, for the, the person who's messaged you, that wasn't necessarily a writing gig. So I don't really know about writing. Well, writing is about, like you say, a proof of concept, isn't it? I mean, that is what writing is. And you write by your nature of being on a show like that, didn't you? Because you're writing as you go, essentially. Yeah, I, I, I would. I've always wanted to do that people in a room thing, though. It's a very American thing, the writer's room. And that idea is creeping over into the UK now. We've got little writer's rooms, but we've not quite cracked it yet. The romantic idea of an American writer's room where you're up all night eating like Chinese out of paper boxes and stuff and arguing <laughs> with each other. We don't really have that because we're British and we're all too polite and we sit there quietly, eat pastry, three meals and then go home at five. Uh, is our sounds, heaven. sounds like heaven to me. It's not bad. It's, not it's bad. funny though, isn't it? Because it seems like this mystical, unreachable thing. But actually, you read a couple of books about writing and anyone can do it. And it's your voice, the uniqueness of your voice, which makes writing you... I mean, you can learn the structure. It's quite easy. There's loads of good books you can read. I mean... Save the Cat. Is oh, yeah. Grab that if you don't know anything about it. But if you really want to go in deep, you read uh, Joseph Campbell's A Hero's Journey, a oh comparative God, yeah. book about comparative mythology throughout the world. And it's sort of basically the idea that every single story you've ever heard in your entire life throughout history for the last 10,000 years, it's all the same structure. Jesus and Luke Skywalker do the same thing, essentially, yeah. in those stories. That's what he says. And it's sort of true. Every single hero goes into a... They start somewhere, they want something, they go somewhere into a realm of the unknown to achieve it, they face an obstacle, they come back changed and uh, with uh, a new skill that they can use yeah. to improve the world that they've returned to. A returning hero. That's the hero's journey. And like that's Tom and Jerry do that. Like Gandhi done that. Imagine Everyone that over 10,000 pages. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot more boring. That is what the, that book yeah, is. Yeah, that book it's is a hard read. I tried. I threw it out the window. I prefer Ross Kemp on Gangs or Andy McNabb. <laughs> Personally, that's just me. But it's a good one. It's good to know. What Into the Woods is a nice little book to read. That's a good little book as well. Right, one more. The final Dear Diane of the series. Can you believe it? What a show we've had. It's been gorgeous. I think that deserves a round of applause, if oh, I'm Oh, I think so. <laughs> they couldn't care less. No, it's, it's been beautiful. I mean, it's doing this at the Fringe. We've never done it before. Well, we did it once in front of a live audience, but it's quite an experience. It's been gorgeous. It's been so very lovely. Dear Diane, I'm taking a lovely girl out for cocktails, but oh I'm God, a pale ale. this is so difficult for me to hear. Oh, sorry, David. <laughs> but I'm a pale ale fella. What do I do? What should I order? Oh. Wait, wait, so he's, he's he, upset that he's going to have to slightly amend his usual drink order in order to sleep with this woman. Yeah. <laughs> Typical man. Sounds yeah. like a pig-headed. You can't have it all, mate. Yes. Yeah, but, all, but, all, a but if he's a pale ale 
uh, kind of person, then why not go for one of those like chocolatey, you know, just one of those milkshakey type disgusting cocktails? He doesn't have to have an old fashioned yeah. or something like that. Get a yop. <laughs> yop. Wait, wait, what's a yop? What's a yop? Can I have a pint of yop, please? A, a yople strawberry thing you get in the news it's agents. Like yogurt. Oh, Wet right. yogurt. Oh, right. Yeah, you used to have to shake them. Well, just have a pale ale and get her a cocktail. Get over yourself, babe. I mean, it's not hard, is it? <laughs> I'll have one cocktail and a pale ale, please, and no one will ever ask a question about it again. <laughs> or he could, he could get a pint of pale ale and pour it into 12 shot glasses yeah. and just shot them back. Yeah, or a vase. <laughs> pour the pale ale into a vase. <laughs> is he worried about showing her up in a fancy cocktail place is that maybe what it is because that's quite a sweet thing to be upset he doesn't want to go to a cocktail place with a fancy lady and order a, a boring drink sorry if you're into pale ale but it sounds it sounds boring it's got the word pale in it i think they've got too much time on their hands to be honest this yeah. one sounds to me like masculinity is in crisis well god god forbid i have a cocktail yeah. i mean i love a cocktail we all love cocktails don't we i love a cocktail do you do you drink much in, in I'm the 11 years sober so I'm you boring, are boring as hell yeah no, that's not boring, because I'll tell you what, I didn't drink for the first two weeks of the Fringe, and I was clear as a daisy. <laughs> then I had one, and then I was doomed. <laughs> Honestly, I just wake up and stare at a wall. I had one little G&T one night. But you've got to do it. You either go either way, don't you? You either go hell for leather, or you just don't do it. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, and then you add into that. So Josie Long, who I mentioned earlier, is one of my best friends in mm -hmm. comedy. So we were, she was the, she won the BBC New Comedy Awards in 1999 and I was the runner-up and she mentions that in every interview she ever does. Uh, and then in 1999, I won the Channel 4 Newcomer Award and she was runner-up in the same year. So I mentioned that and I always try to talk Josie down that I try and say she's never gotten over it and she always tries to say that she's never, I've never spoken to her since then, which is a lie. We're very close friends. Anyway, we're obsessed with the Pina Colada song. If you like pina coladas beautiful and so we've taken to going I, I just drink pina coladas now yeah they're gorgeous whenever they? they're available i don't know if they are gorgeous and i feel like you get no but you get a little bit it's coconut milk so you're getting your bit of vitamin i don't know what would be what would you get from coconut milk selenium oh. pulled that word out of my ass no idea <laughs> selenium sounds like selenium i was gonna say i love that album <laughs> it's a lady gaga album selenium <laughs> uh, zinc I, I bet she's some zinc in a coconut. I bet she's mainlining coconut water these days, old uh, Lady Gaga. Isn't it nice though when you hear about you talking about your gorgeous stories about your community and you've brought through comedy and these people do stay in your life forever, don't they? And these things, they're like we're here and every year we meet someone new and you see their careers either, you know, they go well or they drip, they drop out for a year, you know, and they come back in again. It's quite romantic in a in a strange way. I'm having the weirdest year. So I've got, I'm, I've, I'm seeing the faces of people that I've seen on TV that I love are there now. And I've seen them actually reacting in real time like, oh, oh shit, I'm doing that. Fuck, I've got to be good now. Got to be really good. Because these people like uh, that I admire, are, uh, I'm in charge of making their night. It's really odd. I'm well, enjoying the pressure of it. What you've done as well is that you've, because you've got like five stars in the Guardian, wasn't it? And five stars in the, in the Telegraph or one of those... Main I didn't want to jump in and say agree because it's like really arrogant, but yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to be like. I do want to correct. I, I, you, that's correct. And the, sh and the student and the Scotsman and wow. the Diva magazine. The student. Yeah, yeah, the student. 
don't know that one. I, I didn't want to look too far into it because I don't know if it's really good or shit. <laughs> but I got five stars. They're, 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 um, they're from the university, so it's a really long-running paper. Who student. cares, though, to be honest? Yeah, okay. Cockle Pocket or whatever they're called. Oh, we've got three <laughs> stars from Cockle Pocket. Get over it. Did you just riff the phrase Cockle Pocket? That well, was adorable. That's what, that's what they're called, aren't they? I saw one squirrel bunion. I don't know. They're all sorts. <laughs> my uh, favourite favorite ever weird quote was... Adam Hills had a poster here one year and it said, if you don't like Adam Hills, you can't have a pulse. And I always think of someone going into like a greengrocer <laughs> trying to get lentils <laughs> or something. Are lentils pulses? Whatever pulses oh, yeah. are. And the person going, oh, just before they hand over the bag, how do you feel about Adam Hills? <laughs> do you read reviews? Do you care? No, I, I, I haven't looked at any this year. I'm I'm, but I'm lucky that way in that there's people coming so yeah, yeah. You, you but I I can tell when you get a good review in a weird newspaper because a load of people in their 60s and matching raincoats come yeah. then and they don't and that's the real demographic to get at the fringe isn't it if you can get them in and they read the broadsheets and things like that so that's how you get them in do you want them there <laughs> yes it's strange suddenly having a uh, an influx of an audience that you haven't been performing for. I've, I've got Guardian readers showing up now, which is really sweet, but it's a rude show. I love The Guardian, I think it's right, but like, it is odd, they're playing to a room for the strangers that only came because... They're... My grandfather showed up to the show, I've not seen him in a no. long time. He's such a sweet man. There's nudity at the end of my show, full-on nudity. Christmas is going to be weird this year. What it was there. What was, what, uh, what was your granddad's comment at the end? Oh, love. Well done, love. I'm, <laughs> I'm heading off now. <laughs> stick around to say to me. I'm just heading off now, but I can't do his accent. He's from Leeds. Do you have a chat with him at the end, the Guardian readers? Do you engage with him about it, or you just like bugger I'm off? I'm nude and sweaty, so I don't spend. I don't stick around. I, I run away. But do people come up to you and they're like, oh, I saw your show, I wouldn't have yeah. seen it otherwise, and, you know. Yeah, it's lovely. It's, it, like I say, it's a dream. People have been proper nice. It's a weird confluence of different audiences have come together. Some people have heard I get my tits out, and they've come and they're sitting next to Guardian readers they're <laughs> expecting something yeah. sort of upmarket and they're all just making friends while I'm being an idiot on stage it's nice that sounds gorgeous what a time to be alive that's a lovely way of saying yeah. it it's funny because when I started here in 2000 there was no structure like from a purely stand-up point of view there was no Apollo no comedians were doing there were no comedians were doing arenas but no comedians were doing Izzard was the only comedian doing a theater and you were like well I'm never going to do that mm. so it was just this weird sort of fringe life where Stuart Lee toured around England for the year playing to 100 people and you're like if I if everything goes right that could be my dream one day to go to Walsall and play you know to 80 people yeah. And, uh, Funny enough, all the comedians we've had on, like all the younger ones who just started, they all say that they, you know, they're like, oh, that's our dream. It's just to have a consistent audience. Yeah. You know, and just to keep playing forever. You know, and they're not worried about, I mean, maybe they're lying, I don't know. But, you know, they're like, I'm not, we're not worried about TV. They just want to keep performing this craft. Because it's changed a lot, hasn't it, comedy? It's a lot more... Well, no, it was like it in the 90s. It was a bit rock and roll. But now it seems to be a very... Uh, it's a big youth market in comedy. It's how a lot of young people get their political news or even yeah. political leanings. They, that's, they go to comedians first. It's, it's, it's very influential to a certain age group of society. Hmm. It's funny that as society has changed and evolved to become more progressive, like that's been reflected in comedy as much hmm. as anywhere in a way that comedy has reacted much quicker than... Uh, theatre has reacted quickly as well, but 
certainly other, you know, politics or whatever, you, you still see the same load of grey Etonians in your parliament, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas comedy is much more, yeah, I just yeah, think it about evolves, it. evolves, doesn't it? Yeah. In, in Ireland, uh, we had these two massive referendums in 2016 and 2018 for uh, marriage and abortion. And it was like, a lot of, a lot of it came through comedians and, because everyone sort of trusts these comedians and likes them and finds them funny. So comedians were able to talk about it in quite a clear way. And I suspect some people were like, oh yeah, fair enough then. That's yeah. fine. Maybe we need that more well, it's difficult, though, but I don't feel like young comedians want to affiliate with a political party now, do they? Because they see them all as shirkers, and, which they are, dodgy bunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are. They're all lying swines, aren't they? I've met a fair few of them in my time. Pull of politicians? Yeah, politicians, not comedians. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mind you, some of them are shirkers, aren't they? <laughs> That's what I thought you were talking about. Yeah, no, these comedians. They don't like to affiliate with, with a political party, do they? Because they saw what happened to... Well, who was it? Frank Skinner. <laughs> he oh. was New Labour. So was Oasis. And that all backfired on him because history rewrites itself, doesn't it, in many ways? <laughs> Watch out, Jeremy Vine. <laughs> <laughs> um, is here's he a political fella? He is yeah, here's a, here's a good Jeremy Vine thing. One year, I did the festival in Melbourne and uh, Tim Key, the amazing oh, comedian, Tim Key's father, uh, they live in Cambridge, and there was a swan that was attacking people on the river, on the cam. And Tim Key's dad went on Radio 4 to put forward this idea that the swan should be shot. And <laughs> oh, God. He went, he went on Jeremy Vine. And Jeremy Vine <laughs> took him to pieces. Because you can't go on the radio and say a swan should be shot. No. But listening to it was <laughs> Jeremy Vine's brother, who is Tim Vine... And Bill Key's son, who is Tim Key, and oh, they funny. got to sit there and listen to their assorted family members destroy each other. Oh. And that's one of the best things that's ever happened in comedy. Oh, gorgeous. Well, do you know what? We've come to the end of the show. Oh. And do you know oh. what? It's been gorgeous chatting to you, and, you know, I hope everything works out, David. I'm sure it will. Oh, Diane, it's really cheered me up. Oh, that's <laughs> good. Really? I hope it has, because it was, you know, it was a sad... Sad thing to it was, hear. It was and the last thing you need, actually, at the Fringe, isn't it? The, to come and do your podcast? Well, I mean, <laughs> some people would say that, to be honest. Well, to have something like that happen is, is horrible, isn't it? It's, yeah, but it's, it, look, I know what happens now. You just have to get through the next few days and few weeks. It hasn't been going for too long, so we'll be okay. But we will, yeah, if anyone sees me for the next while, you're allowed to give me a hug and some money. Oh, that's good. Well, we're done. If you want to come down the flick ever... We'll have a nice, we'll have a special chair for you. Lot, all drinks on tap. <laughs> I'll be down. Yeah, Thank of you. course. And obviously that offer is extended to you, Jordan, my gorgeous baby. You're probably too busy in all your extra sell-out shows. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. This has been proper nice. This is my only day off, and I'm glad I got to spend it with you two. This is lovely. Oh, Three of you. I can only apologise. And, <laughs> and this wonderful <laughs> audience. Thanks for coming. It's been yeah, nice, isn't it? Yeah, thank you, gorgeous been nice. It's been beautiful. Last one, last one. Well, we're sad. Chris... It's been gorgeous doing the podcast with you here in Edinburgh. You've been absolutely beautiful and wonderful, and you've been so supportive, and everyone at Hat Trick has been so gorgeous. We love you all dearly. Thank you, Diggory, at the back there. He does the sound. Yes. He's, a little, he's a gorgeous little bugger. <laughs> he's been out hitting the tiles. He's got a love bite on every corner of his neck. <laughs> he's having the time of his life. <laughs> i tell you what, I wouldn't like a swab of him. God knows what's on there. Half the fringe.
Thank you, Trish. You're gorgeous. You've been wonderful in the cop pass. The bar staff, lazy as ever. <laughs> They've done bugger all. They sit there, feet up. They're like, I want that shift so I can do bugger all. No, they're gorgeous. You're, bo you're gorgeous. You know that. I love all the staff here. They're wonderful. And you, beautiful lot, thank you for coming. You've been gorgeous. Milky, normally we make up a song. Um, but today, we're going to do a little one of our classics, aren't we, Milky? Just to, to sign things out. Go on then, Milky. Let's have a little bit of my favourite song about my favourite topic, me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Beautiful. Oh, come on, Duchess. From Dagenham Dock to the Isle of Dogs, Land's End to the Scups up top, love the Duchess. Now I've drank Chateau, nerve but the pap, but I prefer my water from the tap. I'm the Duchess. There's a little drip coming from the ceiling there. <laughs> this is a car park normally. They thought they fixed that, but they didn't. God knows what's in that water. Probably polio. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where was I? I'm the Duchess. Oh, sorry. Who am I again? That's right, Milky. The Duchess. What's cooking? You, you better press. It's been a long week. I'm the of the estuary. Calvary's a church, and this is a hymn. I don't need no chaperone. Truck it's a funky on a mobile home. If this is a man's world, I go it alone. Oh, come on, D U C H E S S. Who am I? That's right, Duchess. Yeah, yeah. D U C H E S S. I am the Duchess. Duchess. Now these are the gorgeous guests we've had on the show. Can every single one of them was beautiful. Every single one of them was gorgeous, and every single one of them has got the funk. Just Jones. Celia A B. Jen Ives, Kiri Pritchard McLean, Laurie Patterson, Morgan Reese, Shelf, Arise Nicholson, Tiff Stevenson, this is stressful, Charlie George. There's a lot of syllables in some of these, and I'll get them in. Baby Lane, Josh Pugh, Jack Barry, Olga Kopp. Leo Reich, Jack Brooke, Patty Harrison, Diana Vickers, Kiara Hunter, Mary Beth Barone, Jordan Gray, got the funk. David Doherty, I've got the funk. Everybody, you've been gorgeous and you've got the funk. Oh, come on, D to the U to the C to the H to the E to the SS, you are the Duchess, yeah, yeah. D to the U to the C to the H to the E to the SS, you're all Duchesses. Duchess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you, my gorgeous face, for coming on. Oh, I'll tell you what. It's been gorgeous, but I'm looking forward to not coming here at five o'clock tomorrow. I'm going to have a gorgeous little lion, and I'll probably watch Holmes Under the Hammer. Good night and goodbye. Oh. Thank you. That was a beautiful chat.
Chatting with Truly is recorded at my beautiful club, The Flick, down in the Assembly Underground. Oh, gorgeous. A big thanks to the wonderful people down at Berksness and the beautiful little music geek, Andy Goddard. Assistant producer is Diggory Waite. My beautiful little producer is Chris Jones. This is a Hat Trick Cobblast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.